When you think about God, what do you think about? Do you think about him being distant and unapproachable? Do you think he's always mad at you? What if your perception of God is wrong? What if he actually is for you? What if he's actually inviting you to know him and to understand him? Spoiler alert, he is. He is for you, and he is inviting you to know him. And that's what we're going to talk about in today's special Easter edition of the Full Life Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Full Life Podcast by Grace Church, where we hope to inspire, challenge, and clarify your next steps in faith. I'm David Lawson, and today is our sixth in a nine-part series on the last days of Jesus, literally the last hours of Jesus' life. If you've missed any of the previous conversations that we've had on this, I encourage you to catch up with those and listen to our previous podcast, because I'm sure that they will be an encouragement to you. In our last podcast, we talked about Mount Calvary and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Actually, we've covered a lot of ground in all of these podcasts, even only talking about the last hours of Jesus, and there's much more that we could have been saying about this. But we're talking about the historical and the spiritual significance of these events, and the last time we talked about uh, the spiritual and historical events of the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, today we're going to be talking about another feature, another event that happened at the crucifixion that has uh, particular spiritual significance for all of us. And again, I'm pleased to have uh, Pastor Bob Federhoff with me to uh, discuss uh, these uh, these events. Uh, pastor Bob is the pastor of development here at Grace, former senior pastor of Grace Church, and uh, looking forward, Bob, to talking to you more about uh, the, really this very significant event for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Welcome again. Thank you. It's nice to be back, Dave. So what I'd like to do is just go ahead and jump right into uh, our topic. And in one of the places where we read about what happened following the death of Jesus Christ is found in Matthew's Gospel. It's uh, chapter 27 and verse 51, if those of you here listening want to uh, follow along with that. It says, at that moment, at, at the moment of Jesus' death, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom, the earth shook, and the rocks split. So after Jesus dies, there's this earthquake. <laughs> and during this earthquake, there's, there's this significant event that the gospel writers felt was important to mention. And of course, we're going to understand why that was important in just a little bit, that the uh, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Why is that important? And what is the gospel authors really talking about there? Well, we need to understand uh, something of the layout of the temple and where the curtain fit and uh, relationship to that layout. Uh, the temple actually consisted of a number of different areas. There was the court of the Gentiles, the court of women that were would be on the outside of the temple. But in the temple proper, there was the holy place, a number of different pieces of furniture, mm-hmm. the table of showbread, for instance, and the golden candelabra would be located in the holy place. The priests would go into the holy place daily to offer a sacrifice. But then the most holy place in the temple, called the Holy of Holies, Mm -hmm. smaller uh, in size, was uh, separated from the holy place by a giant, seamless Mm. curtain or veil. Mm. The veil 
emphasized, that curtain emphasized that God was separated because of the sin of the people. He Mm. was separated from Mm. the people. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies behind that curtain, and there he would offer a sacrifice for the people Mm. on the most holy day Mm. of the Jewish calendar, the Day of Atonement. Now, uh, Jewish legend says that uh, this was such a significant moment that um, the high priest would have tied to him uh, a bell or a series of bells. And if for some reason he was not properly prepared to go into the Holy of Holies by making atonement for his own sin, that he would be struck down by the presence of a holy God and would die on the spot. And if he did, then um, the bell would have been tied or those bells would have been tied to a rope. And if the priests on the other side of the curtain heard the high priest fall and die because of his own sin, they would have to figure out some way to get him out. And that wow. was the way they were going to get him out. Wow. They are going to pull him out. Wow. Because you don't want to be the guy going yeah, in. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy that goes you're in not ready. when you're not ready. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, the, the point of all that, of course, is that um, the Holy of Holies represented the holiness of God. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a very very most sacred place. I think, isn't it Habakkuk that says he had purer eyes than to look upon sin? Yeah. Well. And uh, that just, sometimes we forget, I think, in our familiarity with God mm-hmm. and in the closeness that the Lord Jesus Christ has brought us to mm-hmm. him. He said, we no longer call you, you know, call you my friends, he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we kind of forget about how pure and how holy God is, and what a big issue sin is to us, uh, for us, and uh, true. Uh, that holy of holies really is a is a picture of the separation, really, that God, the holiness, the separation that God has from our sin. That's very true. Somebody has said that the holiness of God may well be His chief characteristic. Mm. Um, it's one of the reasons that He planned before the foundation of the world how he would redeem mankind yeah. to bring us into a relationship. Yeah. Why did he need to do that? It was because, because he was holy. Because he's holy. That's right. Um, yeah. Wow. So anyway, um, back to the rest of uh, uh, our focus, and that's the curtain that was torn from top to bottom. This great curtain that separated the holy of holies from the holy place was torn when Jesus died. Um, now, on the Day of Atonement, as I said, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice. On that day, two goats were brought to the high priest. Um, one of those goats uh, was considered the scapegoat, hmm. and the high priest would symbolically place his hands on the scapegoat, indicating in a symbolic or picturesque hmm. way hmm. that the sins of the people of Israel, all the sin, was being were being transferred to that goat. Mm. And the goat was driven into the desert, never to be seen again. Mm. Of course, the, the, the desert animals would have their way with that goat. Yeah. The other goat, on the other hand, was taken by the high priest and was slain, and the blood from that goat was mm. placed on the mercy seat, which was the covering on the top of the Ark mm. of the Covenant within mm. the Holy of Holies. Mm. And the high priest would then offer that sacrifice once a year on behalf of the people, 
to signify that that blood of the goat was mm. providing atonement or covering mm. for the sin of the people before a holy God. Mm. Mm. Now, when Jesus died, this veil that separated the Holy of Holies, where all that activity happened, from the holy place and the rest of the temple was torn. You would think it would be torn from the bottom. If it were to be torn by a human being, it would be torn from the bottom up. But instead, Scripture is very clear about this. It Mm. was torn from top to bottom. In other words, it was signifying that the Father's holiness was satisfied And suddenly, access was granted into his presence because of the death of the son right there on the cross. It was, a, it was an incredible picture of what Jesus was accomplishing. God demonstrated in that very act the sufficiency of the work of Christ when the curtain was torn in two. Now, the writer of Hebrews says it like this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. So then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Yeah. Those are such encouraging words. Uh so many so many faiths out there look at God as being vindictive or being distant or um, always mad at us. Mm, that's right. And yet his throne is described as a throne of grace, mm. uh, of unmerited favor, which is so fitting for what we're talking about here because there's nothing we could do or uh, nothing that uh, would for us to deserve this atonement that Jesus offers and this access to God that he provides. And we see it symbolized in those two, two ghosts that you were talking about. Uh, combined, we, we, we see the work of the Lord Jesus Christ because he became our scapegoat. Uh, right. He's the one who uh, took on our sin and paid the price for that. And then he is also the one who brought atonement and appeasement, really, to the wrath of God against sin. He did that all in our place on the cross and giving us this access to our Father. It's amazing, isn't it? It is when you think about it. It's hard to really grasp all that Jesus accomplished through his death. No wonder wonder volumes and volumes and volumes have been written on single verses and singular passages because there's so much there that we need to know and to understand. Yet it's simple, isn't it? Yeah. It's simple. That's right. Yeah, the old chorus says, the blood flowed mm. and covered me and made me whiter than snow. Mm. What a great reminder of the imagery of mm. what was happening there in the Holy of Holies with that yeah. with that with that goat that was slain where the the blood covered the the uh, the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, mm. representing the which represented the presence of God in such a unique way, and the blood was there, and in the same way, the blood of mm-hmm. Jesus that was shed on the cross mm. covers my sin. He is yeah. the atoning sacrifice for my sin. Yeah, and I think there is another key truth that maybe we want to talk about here about Jesus being our mediator, mm. that he is. Our mediator, Paul wrote, there was one mediator right. between God and men, the man, That's right. the man, Jesus Christ, because 
it took a man to atone for a man's sin, to atone for my sin and the sin of Adam. It took a man to do that. And so Jesus is our mediator. Now he has ascended and he is at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for us. Um, Talk a little bit, if you would, about this mediation Mm -hmm. ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. Well, what's a mediator? A mediator is a go-between, right? Right. Um, Somebody who brings together two parties that are separated, maybe warring parties almost, in a courtroom, parties that are clearly on opposite ends of the spectrum, very much in disagreement with one another. So uh, the job of a mediator is to bring them together and bring some kind of resolution to the conflict. Mm. Jesus, as Paul said, was our mediator. The one God and one mediator between God and men was the man Christ Jesus. So he brought about a reconciliation mm, between a perfect God mm-hmm. and sinful man. He brought us to God, mm. tore down that barrier mm-hmm. that existed between us and God because of our own sin, and enabled us to have a right relationship with God mm. through his death on the cross. Again, that's pictured beautifully through the tearing of the curtain in the yeah. temple. He yeah. brought us to God. Yeah. And that curtain was heavy. Yes. Like it was it wasn't like you're you're tearing, <laughs> you know, you know, your your average drape in your house. I mean, this is this is a thick piece of material yeah. which emphasizes too that uh, no man can do this. Yeah. Uh, the the Father has to do this for us, and uh, Jesus being our mediator, there was this separation between we are on opposite ends of the spectrum: the the holiness of the Father and the sinfulness of man. And there is this separation, and the curtain represented that separation That's very right. clearly. But when it was torn, it represented that Jesus has become that mediator for us, and He has reconciled. That was a great word: reconciled us. With God, you know this is this event is just we've been talking off and on throughout this series about uh, kind of what I'm calling witnesses to the fact that this this crucifixion was unlike any other crucifixion in history. I mean, we understand now the spiritual significance of it, but even at the time, it looked like God was going through great pains, <laughs> you know, to let people know this is no ordinary thing. This is I'm doing something significant here in terms of. Uh, the nature of the crucifixion, how Jesus died, what the events that surrounded it, it this is just no normal thing. This is something that uh, God is really bearing witness to, saying this this is unique, and you need to be heads up about it. But I've been with you to Israel, and uh, one of the treats that we got uh, when we were there was uh, you taking us to a very special place. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal your thunder. Mm. I'm gonna let you tell us a little bit about. When people go to Israel with you, what they are able to experience? Well, uh, I'm often asked, uh, uh, what's my favorite place in Israel? Yeah. And it, frankly, it's probably not what most people would imagine. Um, certainly, it's amazing to visit the Sea of Galilee. There's no mm. place like that. Mm. I like the Sea of Galilee because you can't mess with it. <laughs> um, you know, It's pretty yeah. much where it was yeah, 2,000 right. years ago right. when Jesus was right. here. Uh, there are other incredible places to visit um, that I, I love to see, like Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus made the great declaration that he was the rock and mm. was going mm. to establish his church on Peter's great declaration that he was the Christ and so forth. Um, nothing quite like visiting the shepherd's fields in Bethlehem and overlooking where Jesus 
um, uh, may well have been born in one mm. of the caves mm. of Bethlehem, so forth. Um, but I think my favorite place is actually within the church of the Holy Sepulchre, the church that was built over the Rock of Calvary where Jesus was likely to be crucified and then also um, over the place that was his tomb. Um, I loved I loved to take people to a place that I didn't even know was there for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's deep inside the church, uh, past Calvary, to the right, down a long hallway. If you go to the left instead of to the right, you go toward the tomb when you come into the church. But if you go right past Calvary, down a long hallway, and then begin to descend down several flights of steps, you'll come to a place that probably is located uh, pretty much beneath Calvary. It's Mm. at bedrock at the bottom of the church. It's Mm. kind of a basement area. There's a chapel there. I'll never forget uh, the first time I went there, I was kind of exploring, frankly, Mm. Mm. and I thought, I'm standing Mm. beneath Calvary. Mm. And I thought about songs like Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Mm. But then the song that really gripped me Mm. as I stood there for the first time, and every time I visit, it hits me again. There's an old gospel song that says, Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Mm. What's mercy? It's when God doesn't give me what I deserve. I deserve his justice. I deserve his his wrath. Mm. Um, I deserve Mm. condemnation. He doesn't give that to me in Christ. Mm. And then it says, grace was free. What's grace? It's when God gives me what I don't deserve. Mm. It's when he gives me the riches of forgiveness and an eternal relationship with himself because mm. of Christ. It's when he gives me uh, uh, the opportunity to have fellowship with him. Mm. It's, it's when he welcomes me into his presence. All that's grace. Mm. Mm. Mercy there was great. And grace was free. There's nothing I can do to deserve it, Mm. nothing I can do to earn it. It's what God gives me that I will never deserve. Mm. Pardon, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Mm. David, I can't quote Mm. those words Mm. without becoming emotional. Uh, It is just such a moving thought to reflect on what Jesus accomplished there. And when I go Mm. there beneath Mm. the cross, I'm reminded of those words every single time. Yeah. We could could spend a lot of time talking about just that, those words. Mm. Uh, And of course, a lot of them are borrowed from the Bible, no doubt. They're not not even inspired scripture, and there's so much in those words. That's right. the liberty thing, though, I think is what some I mean. Mercy, what a great word. Grace, what a great word. But that one phrase, there my burdened soul uh-huh. found liberty. That's right. And there's nothing like having a weight lifted. There's nothing like uh, good news instead of bad news. There, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing like being set free. And. That's what the Lord Jesus did for us that day at the cross. He set us free. Uh, Our soul, which is burdened by sin and um, heartache and um, 
anxiety and free and, and worry and stress and all those things that encumber our hearts because of the world that we live in. But most important, our sin against God and our disobedience against God. Um, the Lord Jesus cut that, set us free. He cut the ties, That's broke right. the chains, Amen. didn't he? Amen. So uh, I had this privilege of uh, one Easter morning and being out in the hallway of our church. And it was after Jesus serves, of course, you'd preached about the resurrection. What else can you preach about, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy named Ralph, Catholic background, came out of the doors. And he looked perplexed. And so I walked up to him. It was the first time I think I'd actually spoken to him, he hadn't been coming very long. And I walked up to him. I said, excuse me, I said, I'm, I'm sorry I don't know you, but I said, are you okay? And he, he looked at me and said, now I know why the cross is empty. Hmm. Wasn't that powerful? Wow. It's powerful. Now I know That's why right. the cross That's right. is empty. Because Amen. Jesus isn't hanging there anymore. That's right. Uh, he was taken down off that cross, That's and then right. one day he resurrected from the dead. Uh, what, what, what a great truth. Amen. So profound. Something we, uh, if you've been in Christian churches for a long time, you kind of take for granted, but here's a man who understood uh, why the cross isn't a crucifix anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Bob, for this time. This has been very rich. I know um, it's a a very simple, these are very simple truths that we've talked about, but they're they're so dynamic and they're so meaningful to us. I just appreciate your time and bring them to life for us. In our next podcast, we're going to talk about the event that is most significant, the most significant event of the Christian faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the event on which all the claims of Jesus and the Christian faith are based. And we're going to begin exploring that together the next time. And if you don't have a church home, allow me to encourage you to attend Grace Church in person or online this Easter. You can find all the information about location and times and so forth related to those services and how to catch it online at our website, that's worcestergrace.org, W-O-O-S-T-E-R, grace.org, or you can find it in the description below the video podcast of uh, this conversation. Well, I trust our time together uh, has been helpful to all of you, and I'm glad that you could join us today. And of course, we hope that your faith has been strengthened and that you are better prepared for your faith journey as you reflect upon these truths that we have talked about today. Remember, Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it to the full, that our burdened soul will find Mm -hmm. liberty. My prayer for you and Bob's prayer for you, of course, is that you'll pursue the full life that God has Mm -hmm. for you.